All right, here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 33. In the synagogue, in church, there was, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. In the middle of church, he cried out with a loud voice. I thought, what an opportunity for an object lesson. Everybody, whole place tightens up real quick. Notice what happened. This is what happened. Cried out with, an, with a loud voice. Man with the spirit of an unclean devil cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. Oh, isn't that the spirit of the enemy? Just leave us alone. Don't mess with us. We're happy here. We've had control. We've, you know, been here long enough. Just Jesus, you leave us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art. And notice what the devil says. You are the Holy One of God. But I'm telling you what, there are some affirmations that you don't want to get. And the devil knew who Jesus was and began to make a scene in church and uh, confessed who Jesus was. And notice verse 35. And Jesus rebuked him, saying... Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. My message today is in two parts. In the first part, I'm going to give you the first part of that message. I'm going to give you the first part of the title of my message. The first part of the title of my message, Shut up. Okay. Hallelujah. Now that is a that is a contemporary paraphrase in case you were wondering. Hold thy peace. Shut up. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, we're together. We're in the house of the Lord. The word of God has been open. We have been in the presence of the Lord. And all the saints of God and many others are tuned in and we're asking you right now. I'm asking you Jesus to to equip us, teach us, give us, Lord, something in our, in our spiritual toolbox that as we go about life and we all, have, we all have an enemy if we're serving you and we need, Lord, the right weapons and we need the right tactics and the right strategy. And I'm praying that you would speak to this people. Give us open hearts to receive and, and help me to communicate this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Shut up. I was in the sixth grade, and I was recollecting, recollecting this memory, not because it was a good one, but um, I was in the sixth grade. I don't know what led up to the whole situation. Weird things happen when you're in sixth grade. <laughs> I mean, middle school. Everybody's trying to find themselves and, and uh, all of that. So I was, I was in school. I believe it was lunchtime. I would show up at school early, and we had uh, you could go into the lunchroom, and you could get these... Uh, uh, honey buns, that's what they called them, honey buns. And, but it wasn't then, it was lunchtime. So I'm standing in line at lunch, and I'd, I'd paid my fare, and I'm getting ready to get my lunch. And, you know, there's a long line, and we're standing there waiting. And about that time, out of nowhere, comes this, you know, short little girl. She's about my age, a short little girl. She walks by, and she just kind of steps in line in front of me. I don't know about you, but I got a little sense of, like, righteous indignation. I don't like people that cheat. People that cheat that, it's not cool. The line's at the back of the line. You know, you need to get to the back of the line. 
And so, yeah, no cuts. Come on. So about that time, you know, I did what was characteristic for me at that time and sometimes at this time. I kind of popped off to her and uh, I said something sarcastic. I don't remember exactly what it was that I, that I said. But evidently, whatever I said, she didn't, she didn't like it too much because she turned around just like this and went, slap. And she slapped me across the face. Uh, 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 uh. I mean, what do you do? Do you punch a girl? Yeah, I can't do that. I mean, I'm like, I didn't know you liked me so much, you know. So glad you like. Nice to meet you too. And she just she just jack slapped me. It's not a cool feeling. And the next time that I remember, her name was Jenny Smith. I think it was seventh grade. Jenny Smith was the fastest runner in the seventh grade. And she was so cute. And man, I, I thought I loved Jenny Smith. And Jenny Smith lived down the road from me. Her, her house was probably a block and a half down the road. And so when we would walk home, I'd, I'd see Jenny. You know, you're walking down the road, road, sidewalk trying to be cool. It's a trip over a crack in the sidewalk. But she had a brother, and he was a jerk. She had a brother. He was, he was older. He was a year older than, than me, and he was probably about, I don't know, five or six inches taller. And um, I don't remember how it happened. I don't know. Stupid stuff happens when you're a kid. And, and, you know, we're walking down the road, and I think he said something. You know how guys are. And I said something back, and he said something, and, you know, all of a sudden... Boom. You know, it was on. And so, you know, we locked, we locked eyes. And you, young men do the posturing thing. We start walking. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, this happens, right? I got to be really careful what I say right now. I got to be careful the counsel that I give our young people. Well, out of nowhere, this kid just... I mean, cold cocks me. Pow! Right upside the head. Boom! And you know, how many's ever been punched in the face? It's not cool. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's not cool. And when it happened, it was like, it was like this ringing sound in my head, like, boom! And you know, Jenny's sitting there, <laughs> standing there. You fool, my brother just pounded your head. And I made up my mind right then, I don't like getting punched. The great spiritual giant Mike Tyson said, and I quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Jack slapped. Out of nowhere. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever been slapped? You ever been slapped? I'm, I'm sorry, Duriel. In Jesus' name, bless our brother. <laughs> Lord, give Duriel deliverance. Never again, my brother. Never again. Never again. At some point, you got to put your foot down. In the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes though, you may not physically get slapped, but sometimes we get slapped spiritually, right? And out of, out of nowhere, someone maybe says something, or you get a text that disrupts your peace, or you may wake up and you may not even understand why. It was like, 
You ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? And it's not like, it's not like there's ever, sometimes there's not even a reason for it. You just wake up and you got the crabbies. Sometimes you're just, you're just crabby. I mean, there's, there's not even a reason for it. It's not like you've had a bad week or a bad month or a bad day. You just wake up. Paul, you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know what I'm saying? And you know what? Sometimes out of nowhere, the enemy would just slap you upside your head. Sometimes it's, you know, a nagging thought that's troubling you. Does my spouse love me? Maybe, maybe you're feeling critiqued and criticized and minimized. Maybe you wake up and just out of the blue, there's no reason for it, and you, you're, you just feel depressed. There's not a reason for it. You know, sometimes the enemy of our soul, he wants to jack-slap us. And a presidential debate happens. Or a lack thereof. Huh? COVID, and people are getting sick, and do I have enough money to retire on, and worry becomes irregular in your life, and out of the blue, you know, one of the great problems that's facing Americans now is anxiety and depression. And out of the blue, people are just maybe being, they're being slapped out of, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. The enemy comes in like a flood. In Greek mythology, the siren was a daughter of the sea god, half bird and half woman, who lured sailors to destruction by the sweetness of their song. That's where we get the term, the siren song. One of the most famous of stories about the sirens is found in Homer's Odyssey. In the story, the sirens are said to live on an island, and their hero, Odysseus, was warned about them. And in order to stop his men from being seduced by the siren song as their, their boat went by that island, they put wax in their ears. But Odysseus wanted to hear the song, and so he told them, Tie me to the mast. And so while the sailors went by with wax in their ears, he wanted to hear the song and be unaffected so that he could hear it and live to tell the tale while he was bound to the mast. And so the, the siren song, it's a metaphor for being deceived. It's a metaphor for being pulled off of track. The siren song. I want to help somebody in church here today. I want to help a child of God today. I want to help somebody that's a servant of the Lord and, and say this, that one of the greatest battles that we fight in this life, listen up, if we want to know where the majority of our battle and our war is waged in the Christian life, the majority of our battle is waged between our ears. The majority of the battle that we fight is with our thoughts. And I want to liberate somebody here today because some may feel like guilty. I can't believe I thought that thought. But I want to liberate somebody today and maybe just pull the, 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 the cover off of the enemy of your soul. That sometimes the thoughts that are going through your mind, you've got an enemy that would like to slap you upside of your head. He wants to slap you with despair and slap you with depression and slap you with despair and slap you with deception. But let me tell you what, we've got a God that's on our side that wants to protect us and keep us from all harm. The greatest problems that we face is in our thinking. It's how we think, really. And if you're going to live a life of spiritual victory, then we got to get victory up here. 
Because that's where the battle is fought. That's, where, that's the enemy's territory. He comes in. And let me tell you something about the nature of your enemy. Your enemy. You have an enemy. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I want an enemy. Well, you got one whether you like it or not. Because the Bible says, for your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion. In other words, when you were born again of the water and spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, came up out of that tank, committed to God. Whether you realize it or not, there was a target that was painted upon your chest because you've got an enemy. You've got an enemy. And let me tell you something about the nature of that enemy. He is a talkative enemy. He talks and 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 he talks. Yakety yak. Blah, 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 blah. It's like listening to some of the news commentators out there. Blah, 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 blah. Sewer mouth. Blah, and your enemy, he'll talk. And if you give him an ear, he'll talk in your ear. He'll talk you out of victory. He'll talk you out of the will of God for your life. He'll talk you out of peace. He'll talk you out of joy. Come on, church. He'll talk you out of revival. He'll talk you out of the will of God. If you give him voice and allow him to speak, he'll talk you out of everything good in your life. I was looking this up yesterday. I thought, what is a word? What is a word that describes like an over-talkative person, I guess you could say? And there's a lot of words. I'm a word guy. I'm a word nerd. Don't say amen. I like words. Verbose is one of them. Verbose. Let me tell you a word I discovered yesterday. It's a powerful word. It's a descriptive word. Logoria. 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 Don't think about it too much. Logoria. You know what it is? It's diarrhea of the mouth. It's a real word. I'm not, I'm not joking when I... It's a real word. Logoria. Logos. Logos means word. Logoria. It's in the dictionary. Look it up. Excessive and often incoherent talkativeness or wordiness. Logoria. And that's your enemy. Your enemy's got logoria. Blah, 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 blah. He'll talk and he'll talk and he'll talk and he'll... If you let him, he'll bring you down. But oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful for my Jesus. I'm thankful for a God that wants to give people deliverance. Deliverance. From the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. So Luke 4 and 33, Jesus shows up in church, and in the synagogue there was a man. He had a spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice. Why? Because he wanted attention, just like the devil does. That's why there's some things that we don't talk about. That's why there's some things we don't want to give attention to. You say, Pastor, how come you don't like Halloween? You don't like Halloween. I like candy. But I don't like what Halloween stands for. You know why I don't like Halloween? Ghosts and goblins and evil spirits and witches with blood out their mouth and, and, and all that weirdness. You know what? I, I don't, I don't want to give the devil any kind of attention. Amen, Bob? We don't, give the, we don't want the devil to have any kind of attention. And here is this devil in the middle of church. Because that's what he wants. He wants attention. Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Because that's what Jesus is going to do. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. But Jesus shows in, up in church because Jesus wants to deliver people. Thank God he wants to deliver people. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
Now, i got to say this while we pass by this way. There is possession and there is oppression. And oppression often feels like possession. I want somebody to know today that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you cannot simultaneously be filled with the Holy Ghost and be filled with the devil. The devil is a liar. If you've got the Holy Ghost, sweet and bitter can't come out of the same well. If you've got the Holy Ghost, now children of God may be oppressed. They may be oppressed, but there's a big difference. If you've got the Holy Ghost in your life, the enemy may be angling for you. He may be trying to whisper in your ear. He may be trying to depress you. He may be trying to speak things into your ear. But that's not the same as possession. You may be oppressed, but you're not possessed. But thank God, even people that are possessed, we got a Jesus that can get the devil out of their lives. Oh, come on, we ought to put our hands together in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, our culture needs deliverance. And people need deliverance. Yes, they do. And the Bible says that when it left him, it hurt him not. The Bible says in verse 35, notice, and Jesus rebuked him. Jesus rebuked him. First thing that Jesus did to this devil that's wanting to yakety yak, 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 he rebuked him. He reprimanded him like a schoolyard child. Let me tell you something about the devil, and it's, this is important because he is an enemy. I try not to talk about him too much, but he is a reality, and we've got to learn how to handle him. I said we've got to learn how to handle the devil. When, when the enemy is oppressing you or the spirit is, 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 a spirit is trying to come against you, you've got to know how to handle him. The devil is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. Only God is those characteristics. The devil can only be in one place at one time. And what you have to know about the devil is if the devil could destroy you, you'd already be dead and you'd be in hell if the devil could do that. He can't do that. The proof is in the pudding. Oh, hallelujah, that you're in church here right now. Worshiping God, loving Jesus is proof that the devil doesn't have power. Some of you shouldn't even be here today. Some of you have fought some ugly, difficult things in life, and yet you're still standing. You're still standing because the devil can't take you out. If God's got you in his hands, there's no devil that can take you out. If God's got his hand upon your life, no devil is capable. He is not powerful enough to take you out. Now, he may lie to you. He may tell you he can take you out, but sometimes you need to just look in the mirror and say, I'm still alive, thank God. That's proof enough. Uh, I'm still serving the Lord. You need to take out a mirror and put it in front of your face. And when you see the steam show up in that mirror, say, thank God, I'm still breathing God's good air. I'm still alive. Oh, hallelujah. The devil is a liar. He is an absolute liar, if he could. What you need to know about your enemy, he's like a puffer fish. You ever seen a puffer fish? A puffer fish, it's a fish that puffs itself up. That's why they call it a puffer fish. Puffer fish, right? It's a puffer fish, right? That's what the devil does. He puffs himself up. Oh, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And he'll just talk and he'll make himself big. And he'll, he'll try to put, listen, he'll try to put fear on you. 
You'll try to put fear of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and everything's going to fall apart in your life, and your kids aren't going to be saved. And, and what, did the, what did Jesus do? Jesus reprimanded him. He rebuked him. Some of us have got to wake up to the authority that resides in our life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Some of us got to wake up to the power that we have. We have authority in Jesus' name. If the devil could take you out, you'd be out. But God gave you authority. Jesus rebuked him. You ever, you ever been in Walmart, Target, grocery store, and all of a sudden you see that little snot-nosed, two-year-old little brat throw himself on the floor? Four years old. And then there's a 35-year-old man and woman that are captivated by a three-year-old little brat. Oh, Junior, what's the matter? Oh, come on, don't, don't cry, buddy. Don't cry. Now listen, the way I was raised, <laughs> you did that once or you did that twice. But if you had any sense, you didn't do it three times because you was going to get the snot beat out of you. I know you can't talk like that nowadays, but I am. I'm not talking about abuse. We're not talking about anything like that. But you can't allow a three-year-old to control an entire family. You can't allow a five-year-old. I got a book in my library. It's called Kid CEO. It's a good book. You ought to read it. Parents, read it. Go buy the book, Kid CEO. Because children by, by nature are egocentric. You know what egocentric means? They literally believe that the entire world revolves around them. They cry, they get a bottle. They scream, they get their diaper changed. They cry, and all, everybody comes running out of the woodwork to serve them. One of the aspects of maturity is recognizing that the world does not revolve around me. I got to get back to the devil here because we're way out in left field here. But you know what? You've got to, when that kid's throwing a fit like that, somebody's got to take authority and say, Junior, get up off that floor right now. You get up off that floor right now. And me and you, we're going to have a discussion when we get out of this place. A little suggestion. Don't do it in the middle of Walmart. But you just let them know. You bite your tongue. You grab that kid. He can scream the whole way out. Yep, and we're going to take care of business. And you know what? You do that two, three times. You take the authority that God gave you as a parent, and you exercise it, and that little brat will start to be a good little kid. In fact, God puts you into his or her life to help him develop his character. If you don't take the authority, though, that little kid is going to rule. Listen, anytime there is a vacuum of an exercise of authority, there will always be an usurping that takes place. You get a family where a husband will not take his God-given role, something's going to pop up in that family. 
You, you take a workplace where the, the boss is supposed to be the boss and doing his job and he doesn't, someone else will usurp the authority. Sometimes we have to recognize, listen up church, the presence of a third party that sometimes shows up in our marriage, that shows up in our family, that shows up in our church, because the devil wants to show up sometimes. The enemy wants to show up sometimes. But my Bible tells me that when the devil started speaking up in church, Jesus rebuked him. He reprimanded him like a school child. He said, that's enough of that. What you need to know about the devil, because the devil try to intimidate you, he'll try to blow himself up and make himself all big and all powerful. We don't go looking for devils. But when they show up, we better know how to handle them. And this is how you talk to the devil. You don't have to scream. You don't have to yell. You don't even have to go crazy. Because a parent that knows they have the authority doesn't, does not have to scream at the top of their lungs. As a matter of fact, sometimes that's a mistake we make. You keep screaming at a kid to get their attention. you got to keep screaming louder. At some point, you lose your voice. Right? That's when you got to notch it down. You know somebody that has real authority? They don't ever have to yell. They just speak. When the enemy comes into your life, you can rebuke him with authority. And you can shut him down. Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace. Devil start talking your ear, telling lies. Hold thy peace. In the Greek, literally, hold thy peace means if it's an animal that has a muzzle, it's a contraption that goes over the muzzle of that animal, that goes over the 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 the, the mouth of that animal and gags the it muzzles the animal. Be quiet. Muzzle your mouth. Okay, if you allow me to say it like this, contemporary language, shut up. The devil gets to talking to you. The enemy gets to talking to you. Shut up. You know why? Because if you let him talk, he'll just keep on talking. Here's what you need to know. The enemy wants two things in your life. Number one, the first thing that he wants in your life, and this is the way that he weasels in. I want to help somebody here today. The way he weasels his way in is conversation. He wants a conversation with you. He starts whispering lies and deception and depression and despair, and he starts talking. All he wants you to do is listen. If he wants conversation, and he wants habitation. He wants, he wants to be a place, somebody that will listen to him, that will listen to the lies, and then after they listen to the lies, a place that he can begin to camp out and he can begin to live. Conversation and habitation. It's interesting that when Jesus showed up and this devil starts talking, you know the first thing that Jesus did? He shut him down. Shut up! He shut him down right then. He shut him down because the enemy wants conversation and habitation. Every once in a while, we just we, we got to shut the enemy. Shut her down! Stop it. Stop. It's enough. No more. Stop the foolishness. I'm not listening to that. Come on, you have the power to shut off the lies that are trying to be spoken in your ear. Come on, you have control over this. Shout, speak in tongues on Sunday. Dance like no one's watching. But when Monday through Saturday comes around, you got to learn how to shut him down. Shut her down. Hold your peace. That's enough. You know what a chatterbox is? 
You know what chatterboxes? is? Some people, the only way they could say less is talk more. You're like, oh, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> my dad had a friend. Oh, he was a great guy, but the dude could talk. Oh, my goodness. I had a, I had a, a boss that I worked with. He'd pick me up at 530 in the morning. I was doing roof decking in the Twin Cities, and he would pick me up when we go to brand new construction to pull steel. And uh, he picked me up super early. We'd have a 45-minute-an-hour drive. He's in the church, by the way. He's a wonderful man. But, oh, my goodness, he could talk, 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 talk. And I'm, I'm just, I finally, I just finally got to a place where I just would roll over against the window and go to sleep. Chatterbox. You know what a run-on sentence is? You know what a run-on sentence is? How many know in English what a run-on sentence is? It's when you don't, you don't have a period and you have a sentence and then you just continue and that sentence is like 9,000 words long. Just on and on and on and on and on and on, a run-on sentence. Confession. I don't like having conversations with people who don't listen and only talk. <laughs> and as soon as you start talking, they're not interested. You know what I'm talking about? The enemy's like that. He's a chatterbox. He's chat, 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 talk, 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 talk. Shut up! I know. Some don't like that saying. <laughs> Thank you, Durrell. I appreciate that. It's true, though. Some people, they don't like the saying. And I understand. I understand. It's, it's not really polite. It's not a polite thing to say. It's not a polite thing to say. But can I tell you something? If a robber is at your front door, and he's kicking your front door down, and he's got a shotgun in his hands, now I know we're Minnesota nice. You know what I'm saying? We're Minnesota nice. But when somebody comes into your house to do destruction and damage to your family and your children and your well-being, and the, I don't like thieves. It's kind of like, go get your own job. I mean, get your own job and earn your own stuff. Don't steal my stuff that I've worked for. Go, what a punk. Go get your own stuff. Don't steal my stuff. But when somebody comes in and they kick your door down and they're wanting to do damage, that's not a time to be polite. Oh, would you please? I'm just kind of asking... I really would prefer you not bring your muddy boots in here. And, and I appreciate you not to, you know, to, to steal my, my, my stuff. I, no, that's the time you just, that's the time you get vigilant. Come on, church, do we still have it? That's, that's a time. Come on, if things are being said that are manipulative and destructive, that's not a time, church, to be passive. If someone's trying to traffic your child, that's when you put your feet down and it's time to fight. No, we're not going to let that happen any long. No, 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 no. Hold your peace. Shut up. Jesus told the devil, if you allow me to say it, contemporary language, he told the devil to shut up. You know why? Because you don't debate the devil. You know, I mean, you don't debate the devil. He just wants conversation. He just wants, he wants some back and forth. He wants some of that. As a matter of fact, have you ever met someone like a bully, like a bully, what does a bully do? A bully wants to get a rise out of you. Well, yeah, they want to get a rise out of you. They want, they want, to, they want to engage you. I, was, I, I never even thought about it until I, I never even, you know, I was, I was grateful. I, I've had glasses since I was two years old. And I never thought it was a bad thing until I was in school and somebody in school called me Four Eyes. Oh, my God. Oh, it's not cool, Duria. Four Eyes. You know, I, I got braces later in life. And I guess I never realized I must have had buck teeth. I don't know. Until Russ Paulette let me know in sixth grade when he was sitting there. He was, he was a jock. He was a cool guy. He was a jerk. 
And he looked over and he said, how much wood could a lictal chuck if a lictal could chuck wood? I'm like, man, I want to smack that dude. Like, right, Russ, you're cool, but you ain't that cool. Right? That's what the devil do. The, de- the devil wants to get a rise out of you. The devil wants you to engage. Don't debate the devil. I tell you, the other thing you don't ever want to be, you don't want to be a devil's advocate. You ever been in a conversation? I've got, I've got a friend of mine, and we, when we ever, whatever we get in a conversation, we'll get in a debate, right? And he'll always take, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. He's going to take the other side. And he'll almost patronizingly be like, well, somebody's got to be the devil's advocate. And so if I pick that other side, then he'll take the other side. Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't need an advocate. The devil needs an adversary. You are an adversary. The devil doesn't need an advocate. We need to shut him up, and we need to shut him out. We're not going to give him conversation. We're not going to give him habitation. That's why the Bible says give no place to the devil. I'm not going to allow the enemy of my soul to get comfortable anywhere in my life. I don't want him anywhere around. I'm not going to allow him to be comfortable. I'm not going to allow him a place of habitation nor conversation. we got to shut him up and we got to shut him out. That's enough. Hold your peace. I'm not listening to the lies any longer. I'm not listening to the lies about my family or my spiritual life any longer. No, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm in it to win it. I'm going to make it. Devil, you're a liar. The way you begin to get victory in your life, you've got to shut him up, just like Jesus did. Shut him up. So I want to remind everyone here this morning that you are going to have to decide who is going to have the voice in your life and who is going to be speaking in your life. Who has the floor. Is it going to be TV? Is it going to be media? I'll tell you what, sometimes the best thing we can do is shut this off. If you find that it's stealing your peace and stealing your joy, who's going, who's going to have the voice in my life? Because the enemy, if I allow him, he will talk and talk and talk and talk. As a matter of fact, we're living in a season right now that with all of this COVID stuff, coronavirus, we're in the middle of societal upheaval. We got quote-unquote racism issues. We've got all of this, this angst in the middle of our society that's going on right now. And if we're not careful, we'll let fear begin to have a pole position in our life. Are we going to let fear... Are we going to let fear have the floor? Are we going to let fear dominate us? Are we going to, come on church, are we going to let fear control the narrative in our life? Are we going to let fear get into our head and into our heart? No, I don't have to listen to all of that. If you don't like the news station, you can always turn the dial. If you don't like the program, they have this thing called a remote. The power is in your hands. You can shut it down. You can shut it off. They have this thing called a mute button. You know what? You can delete the app. If it's a distraction, guess what? You can delete the app. It doesn't have to have voice in your life. Shut up. Hold your your peace. I'm not going to let you talk that into my life. No, sir, you're not talking that into my life. You want victory in your life as soon as the wrong thought comes into your mind. At that point, immediately, the wisest thing you could do, it's like a weed that starts growing in your garden. Pull it out. Nope. 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 
We're not going there. Sin? No, devil, I'm not. No, nope, no, nope, we're not going there. Nope, I don't want that. Come on, church, how many know what I'm talking about? No, nope, no, nope, we're not. No, I'm not going there. Not letting that happen. Nope. Enemy says you're a loser. Enemy says your children are going to be back so they're not going to live for God. Enemy says you can't. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, we don't listen to that. No, nope, we're not listening to that. No, nope, that's not true. Shut it down. Hush. Shut up. Now, the second part of my title, second half of the message, we need to tell the enemy to shut up, and then we need to speak up. We need to speak up. It is time for the church to rise up, and it is time for the church to speak up. It's time for children of God to use the God-given vehicle that he's given you. It's your mouth, and you make war with your words. We have words to speak. We have a voice to articulate. Come on, we've got the floor now. When the enemy's been shut down, we've got the floor. I'm not going to be silent. Oh, hallelujah. I'll tell you what Sunday is. Sunday's practice time. It's practice time. We lift our hands to God. We don't just sit like this and be uninvolved, disconnected, and not worship God. We open our mouth. We sing. We shout. We worship. We dance. We speak the word of God. We speak truth. We speak praise. We speak worship because we make war with our words. We fight with our faith. And your faith has got to take voice and you got to start speaking. We speak the right things. Romans 10 and 8 says, The word is nigh thee. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. We make war with our words. Once you shut the enemy down, you know what you then need to start doing? You need to start out-talking the enemy. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, my family's going to live in victory. My, chick, my kids are going to live for God. Come on. We're going to have revival in Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a move of God. Oh, hallelujah. Rejoice not against me, oh, mine enemy. When I fall, you may have fallen. You may have made a mistake. You need to dust yourself off. You need to repent before the Lord. Put it under the blood. Stand back up. Come on, the enemy wants to keep you down. You need to start speaking the word, rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I may have fallen, but I'm going to get back up. I'm getting back up. Enemy, rejoice not against me. You stop your campaign of evil. You stop your methodology of trying to bring me down. Because, enemy, I'm getting back up. I'm getting back right. I'm getting back filled. I'm going to live in victory. My kids are going to be saved. We're all going to heaven. I'm going to have an effective ministry. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. We're going to have revival in our church. We're going to have revival in our city. Come on, somebody's got to start talking back a little bit. Speak confidence in God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid and who shall I be fearful? The Lord is at my right hand. Oh, hallelujah. We begin to speak the word of God. Speak trust. Speak confidence. Speak the goodness of God. 
Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to follow up on this a little bit next week. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. You've got a miracle in your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you say, what you speak in your mouth. You've got the ability in your mouth to speak both death and you have the ability to speak life. So here's the fact. God speaks. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and there was. Firmaments are come forward. Stars blink in the night. God says, let there be light. Light shows up. God speaks, right? What we just read here earlier is that the devil speaks. He does. The devil speaks. The Old Testament talks about his tabrets and his pipes. He was, the devil was musical. Ezekiel 28. That all of the shiny stones that were around him, he was like a walking, talking jukebox. He was shiny. Lucifer means light bearer. He, he was shining. He was the anointed cherub. He had tabrets. He had pipes. Uh, oh, he had pipes. Oh, he sounded so beautiful. And that's all he's got now. That's all he's got left. If he could kill you, you'd be dead. He doesn't have the power to do what he says, but all he can do, it's a terrible stereotype, but I'm going to use it. All he can do is be like a used car salesman. There's, there's wonderful used car salesmen. But then there's also bad ones. Right? And he wants to talk you out of your destiny. He wants to talk you out of the will of God for your life. He wants to talk you out of your future. He wants to talk you. If you let him, he'll talk you out of heaven. So the devil speaks. God speaks. The devil speaks. My question here today is will you speak? Will you open your mouth and articulate the word of God? I'm telling you what. It's time, church. It's time for us to stand up. And it's time for us to speak up. It's time for us to begin to speak up. Oh, hallelujah. Put your hands together. Let's magnify the Lord today. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost, help us. Help us, God. Oh, resurrect it within our heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There is a thing called a filibuster. Anybody know what a filibuster is? It is a parliamentary procedure where debate over a proposed piece of legislation is extended, allowing one or more members to delay or entirely prevent a vote on a proposal. It is an exceptionally long speech. It can last a day, sometimes even days. According to U.S. Senate records, U.S. Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina has got the record for the longest filibuster in history, where he filibustered on the Congress floor for over 24 hours hours. He began speaking at 8.54 p.m. on August the 28th and continued through the night and day until 9.12 p.m. the very next night, the whole entire time speaking, standing, reciting the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, President George Washington's farewell address, other historical documents. He just stood and kept on talking and talking and talking. 24 hours, 18 minutes later, Senator Strom Thurmond still holds the record for the longest uninterrupted filibuster, and for good reason. He came prepared. See, the filibuster can't leave the floor for any reason, not even a bathroom break. So to thwart his bladder, Thurmond took advanced steam baths to sweat out all excessive liquids and then made an intern stand by with a bucket during the filibuster, just in case. You know why? Because he wasn't going to give up the floor. He had the floor, and he wasn't going to give up the floor. 
Filibustering requires food. So sometime around 1 a.m. on May the 30th, 1908, Bob LaFollette asked a page to get him a turkey sandwich and a glass of milk mixed with raw eggs for fortification. Though perhaps it was an honest mistake, history suggests that the kitchen staff, annoyed at having to work around the clock for the filibuster, purposely used eggs that had gone bad. LaFollette noticed that the drink tasted suspect after he took a big gulp, but the damage had been done. Shortly thereafter, the senator began feeling sick and started sweating profusely. He stepped down from filibustering around 7 a.m. after 18 hours and 23 minutes at the pulpit. Tests later revealed and showed that the contents were so toxic that had he drinking the whole cup, it would have killed him. Huey Long filibustered in 1935 for 15 and a half hours. Long analyzed every section of the Constitution, then noticed that a good chunk of the room was either asleep or totally zoned out. The same night, Long recited, uh, began reading recipes for fried oysters and soups. Finally, around 4 a.m., he could no longer ignore the, ignore the call of nature and ended the filibuster. What are you saying? What I'm saying is the enemy would like to whisper in your ear. He'd like to bring confusion. He'd like to whisper depression, whispers of worry. What about all the things, the societal problems we're facing? What about racial tensions? He'd like to whisper threats to your children. The enemy would like to tell you you can't have victory. It's too bad. The enemy has enacted a program of despair and depression against you. You'll never be anything for God. You'll never do much for God. Your life is going to be a great big zero. That's why you need to tell him, shut up. Hold your peace. And once you shut him up, it's time. You've got the floor. It's time for you to start speaking up. Come on, I've got the floor. Come on, church. And start speaking up. you got the power to speak up. Don't give up the floor. When God has given you the victory, don't you give up no matter what happens. It's time that we filibuster with faith, that we get a word from God. We've got a Bible in our hands, and we can get a word from God. And I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to speak the word of God, and I'm going to filibuster my way to victory. Oh, hallelujah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What are you going to fill your heart with? We're going to fill our heart with more negative social media news. No, we're going to fill our heart with love. We're going to fill our heart with the word of God. We're going to fill our heart with peace. And we're going to fill our heart with it so that when we open up our mouth, out of our mouth comes truth. Out of our mouth comes the spiritual reality of what God wants to do in our life. Well, pastor, I'm struggling with sin. Huh? How am I going to overcome sin? Thanks for asking. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I'm getting the word of God in my heart. Come on, congregation. It's time for us to take the floor in Jesus' name. It's time to filibuster our way to victory. Come on, we've got a word from God. We've got a word from God. I'm not giving up. I'm getting my voice back in Jesus' name. Oh, praise God. Stand together with me this morning. I want the praise team to come. Mariah, I want you to be ready. I want you to end the service the way that you began it. Because we're going to sing. We're going to speak the word. We're going to worship. Come on, we're going to praise. Oh, hallelujah. Talk to me, church. Come on, talk to me. We got to get this thing in motion. I tell you what we can do when 
When tomorrow rolls around, we can get out. And not, let's not, let, why don't we get up tomorrow on the right side of the bed? Come on. We're going to get up on the right side of the bed. You know how we're going to do that? We're going to get up on the right side of the bed speaking the right things. Shutting out those lies the enemy's been trying to bring against you. No, it's a brand new day. And this is the day that the Lord hath made. Oh, hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is no time to be mealy mouth. This is no time to be soft. It's time to be tough. Come on, it's time to be strong. It's time to speak up. It's time to speak out. We speak out in prayer. Come on, church, it's time to pray. We speak out in prayer. What do you want to see in your future? We begin to pray it. We begin to speak out in praise and in worship to our God. We speak out in truth. We make positive proclamation out of the word of God. And we don't let anybody break our train of thought. You ever been in the middle of a conversation and you're talking and talking and talking, and all of a sudden you lose your train of thought? Isn't that a terrible thing? Like squirrel. Like, oh, man, what's that? It's terrible what happens when you're preaching, I'll tell you. That's the worst. You say, oh, let's all worship God. You don't want to lose your train of thought. Well, church, we don't want to lose our train of thought while we're on our way to the new Jerusalem. Come on, we don't want to lose our train of thought. River of Life, don't let anything break your train of thought. Don't you let anything throw you off your game. Come on, it's revival. It's revival. Oh, hallelujah. It's revival. It's revival. It's prayer. It's faith. It's joy. It's Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Come on, the altars are going to be filled up again. Oh, hallelujah. It's unity, unity, unity. Come on, it's I love you and you love me. We're going to heaven together. Come on, I'm talking about speaking some things. I'm talking about filibustering the devil. Oh, my kids are going to heaven with me. I can't wait. We're going to heaven. We're going to church together. We're going to heaven together. Come on. My ministry is going to be effective for God. God's got a plan for my life. All those things the enemy has been speaking. Ah! You need to shut him up. And you need to shut him down. Now, as we get ready to go into worship here, I want us to practice a little bit. All right? Open up your mouth and let's worship God right now. Oh, hallelujah.